Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. How are you guys doing? All ready for today? Man, I appreciate our worship team. Anyone else appreciate our worship team? Oh, man. It's in the back there. It's just so, they do so well. I just love it. All right, today I'm excited as we continue in our Advent series. Uh, it's cool because, once again, we're not just doing this alone. We're doing this with 20 other churches right here in our area where we're looking at the themes at the same time. So we're all kind of gathering around the, the theme of love today, and I'm excited to do so. Before we hop into it, though, I just want to give you uh, two really quick things. One is uh, The God Experiment. So this is this book that I wrote that we're going to dive into in January not yet here. They are printed. They're on their way. And uh, UPS or whatever it is you know, has said they should arrive tomorrow morning. Just in time, right? <laughs> Nothing like down to the wire. So anyhow, those will be available. But if you're wondering, hey, why would we do this or get into this? I want to really encourage you. Think about buying a copy, not only for yourself, but for, think about like your coworkers or someone that's in your life that might be a spiritual seeker or they're open to a conversation about God because the God experiment is all about this. It's just kind of saying, God, would you show up? We're going to experiment all week long, kind of every single day. God, how, how do you want to show up in our lives? And so it's perfect for those who are followers of Christ or not yet followers of Christ. And um, I'm excited for that. So anyhow, we, we dive into that in January. Those books will be available next week. Um, but I do have a book available for you this week. Uh, right outside these doors, if you're here in person, it's also available online. You can buy it. Uh, but it is my totally different genre. It's a kid's book I wrote, which I know it sounds really funny. I was almost embarrassed to tell people that I wrote a kid's book, but uh, here's where it kind of came out of. So let me just give you a little bit of the backstories. Obviously, I got nine kids. I've been reading kids' books forever to my children, and like, like probably most everyone in this room, I've always loved Dr. Seuss. He's like one of my favorite kids' authors, and for years, I've thought to myself, why won't someone just write in the style, like a Dr. Seuss-esque style, uh, but with biblical themes, like to teach the Bible to kids. And so after like decades of thinking about it, I think it was probably 18 months ago, it was like COVID, you start just getting antsy. I'm like, I don't want to do something. And, and so I'm like, I should do that. And so I pitched the idea to my buddy. Who, uh, he's one of my best friends. He's a senior pastor down in Illinois who's an amazing artist. And I said, hey, would you, can, I'll write them if you'll illustrate them. And so we have launched into this. And so anyhow, we've got our first book is available out here today. If you're here in person, it's, uh, it's a parable. So it's a, it's a retake on the prodigal son. And you'll love it. If you love Dr. Seuss and you love the story of the prodigal son, trust me, you will want a copy. So uh, buy one for, if you got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, it's great stocking stuffer. Or, uh, or if you're a teacher, sneak this into the schools. So, but grab copies. Unfortunately, all the hard cop covers, uh, they all sold out after the last service, but we do got paperbacks. Uh, uh, so grab those and just, um, I think they'll sell out today. So just make sure to get them. You can also order them online. You can go to our website directly. It's childlikebooks.com, childlikebooks.com, because they're all going to be, you know, Jesus said, unless you come to me like a child, you have nothing to do with me. So that's the whole heartbeat behind it. And so we've got, uh, that one's done. We've got another one in the works and a third one in, in the works as well. So anyhow, those are, those are coming. So grab those when, before you leave here today. You'll love it. Um, all right, let's dive in. Today, talking about love. There's probably more written about love, or about that subject, love, than probably anything else in all of humanity and, and history. You, you know, whether it's 
uh, songs or poems or sonnets or plays or musicals or books, love is always at the center of it somewhere. It's been sung about, you know, in modern days. Uh, Whitney, Houston, Whitney Houston sang it, and I will always love you. Elvis Presley said, sang, love me tender. The Beatles sang, all you need is love. Adele sang, uh, make you feel my love. Beyonce sang, crazy in love. And Diana Ross and Lionel Richie sang about their endless love. You guys remember all that? <laughs> Our problem, though, I think, when it comes to love, it's how we often use use this word, that it often does get watered down in our culture. And here's the why behind that. It's because we, we use it in this way. Well, I love my God. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my job. I love my church. Uh, and then you might shift a little into a different category. And I love some, here are my, some of my hobbies. I love snowboarding. I love water skiing. Oh, and then, yeah, I also love Apple products and I love pancakes and I love Pilot G2 pens. And so here I just went from, I love, anyone else love Pilot G2 pens? Come on now, once you try it, you'll never go back. Uh, but, but here's the deal. It's like, I just went from, I love my wife to, I love a pen, and I applied the word love to it, you know? And we, and we wonder why we might be a little screwed up in this thing called love. Or maybe a little confused culturally about what love uh, really could look like. Uh, but here's the deal. When we think about Advent, the arrival, that's what Advent means. It means the coming or the arrival. When we think about Christ coming, the central theme of his coming is love. That's what it's about. Think about this well-known verse that almost all of us could probably quote or we haven't had it quoted to us in our lives. John 3, 16 and 17. For God, so what? He loved. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son. This is the advent. It's the sending of his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So his coming, advent, the centerpiece, the heartbeat behind it is love and setting a, a model for us of what love looks like. Now, John, who wrote this, John 3.16 John wrote four books in the Bible. He wrote, they're all named after him, John. And then he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John was the first one that he wrote uh, years, decades actually, after Christ had already died and risen and ascended to heaven. He wrote his account of the life of Christ in the book of John. Then later he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which the, the primary thematic idea of those is he's connecting love to Christ. And how we're in response to love. It's, it's so centered, at least in 1 John, this is what it all lands around. So here's how he, in many ways, kind of restates John 3.16 in 1 John chapter 4 when he says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, right in the middle of this passage, we find this verse, but what I want to do is I want to dive into the verses that surround that and kind of answer this question is, how do we do this thing called love correctly? You know, at Christmas time when we're thinking about these themes of Advent, hope and peace and love, and we think about how we apply it, and I love my wife and I love a pen. Okay, how do we do this thing rightly or correctly? What is God calling us to in this thing called love? And so let's look at the surrounding verses, and then we'll dive into it, okay? So surrounding verses around this, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 is where we'll start. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. That's what we already read earlier. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Okay, now, before we go too far, I want to start actually uh, just highlighting something out of that very first verse, verse 7, that says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So you might say, oh, hold, hold on. Doesn't everyone have the capacity to love and everyone loves? So are you saying that everyone who expresses any form of love knows God? and has been born again or is saved? Is everyone a Christian? And and the answer is actually no. Uh, So then how is it that everyone can display love? Well, here's why everyone can display love. You go all the way back to the very beginning of time, to to the Garden of Eden and the very first chapter in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. Let me say it again. So God created mankind in his own image. What that means is that all of humanity actually carries the character traits of our God. So we have the ability to express them, but... In our flesh, in our own humanity, we usually usually express it uh, in such a way that's a shortcoming of how God expresses it. Not to the fullness of how he would express it. But the reality is because we're made in his image, we are all image bearers of him. So we all have the ability to express his character traits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You don't have to be a Christian to be able to express those to the world. Just like I've got nine kids. Of my nine kids... They all are mine and my wife's, and they all kind of look like us. Like almost everyone is like, there's an Amstutz, there's another Amstutz. I, like, I, they, and there's absolutely nothing they can do to get away from it. <laughs> like they just can't. You, they cannot escape receiving some of the attributes and some of the DNA that Lisa and I have given to our kids. Now, just because they are, they carry some of our attributes doesn't mean that they will grow up to be like Lisa and I. That's up to them how they are going to live their lives. Now, I think we're pretty great, so I think I'm, I'm hopeful that they, you know, but it, it's just reality. And in the same way, you and I carry the attributes of God But it doesn't mean that we display it to the world like he would. Because we still make our own choices of how we live our our lives. But here's the big miss. Apart from a relationship with God, humanity can only display, I would call it a fraction or a shadow version of the real thing. A shadow of how God's love is meant to look or be displayed. Which is why we as humanity are actually probably more familiar with the shadow version of love than the real thing of love. Are, are, are you tracking with me? We are, we are actually probably more familiar with the shadow version of love, which is an a incomplete picture. Want to know what the shadow version of love is? It's called conditional love. That's the shadow version. And that's what we're more familiar with versus God's standard of love, which is unconditional love. And so um, you and I, we don't have to know him or humanity doesn't have to love him or know him to 
be able to display love to some degree. It's just that the degree that most humanity loves to is far short of the model of what God set for us. So, all right, back to that original question. How do we do this thing called love correctly? All right, to answer that, we got to go back to 1 John chapter 4. And it starts with this. It starts always with loving him, first and foremost. Loving God well. And I would say it this way, that we love him and we know him. We have to know him and know his love that he has for us. Here's how he, he says it in 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from who? From God. That's the origin. We have to love him and we have to know it from him first and foremost. Receive it because it comes from him. Everyone who loves has been born of God and what? Knows God. Whoever does not love does not Know God. So what we need is we need to then love him and know him and know his love that he has expressed uh, to us and shown to us. If we want to do this thing called love correctly, the origin of love ultimately comes from him. The origin of our love is receiving it from him and loving him back. Everyone loves a good origin story, right? Any of you superhero fans? Like, I love all the origins. Right now, Hawkeye just came out. It's kind of, or, some, well, it's follow-up to his story. But you also see some origin story within his story. And one of the things I love about the origin stories is usually always kind of the, the same. It's someone who had a horrific life of great loss, and they overcame it, and they stepped into this life of being a, a hero. And so, all right, you want to know the origin story of our love? It starts with God, who... Even God in the Old Testament expresses his faithfulness and his love to the people of Israel who consistently and constantly turn away from him and he expresses unconditional love to them. He provides them with kings and prophets and he's always there for them. And then there's this pinnacle display of love. The pinnacle display of love. You want to know what it is? Well, it starts, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' life and it starts with his arrival that he comes and puts on flesh as a helpless babe and he lives in a time period where he will be living in a nation that's oppressed by an oppressive Roman government over them. He'll live a simple life growing up uh, and being raised by a carpenter and likely a carpenter himself. He'll live a sinless life, a perfect life, and yet he'll die a criminal's death for yours and my life. Not only just does he die a death, he dies the most horrific capital punishment that ever existed in all of human history for you and I. That is the origin story of our love. And when you look at that holistically, it's, it's hard. The cross is the pinnacle display of his love, which is why when Christ, even he's, he takes these, these elements, like communion, that, what we just took together, and he says, as often as you do this, remember me, remember the cross. The point of that is, I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can come to the pinnacle moment of display of love to all of humanity and not walk away being wowed by his love, receiving his love, and changed by his love. It, it, it should make a profound impact upon you, and it has to start there. The reason why it has to start there is because we cannot love if we have not experienced, we cannot love like him until we have experienced his love. It says, for love comes from God, and it all has to start there. Good stuff, right? I love it. Okay, so if we really want to do this thing called love correctly, it starts with knowing him and loving him. And receiving it from him. And then from there, it moves to this next step, which I would say is this. It's we love others like Christ. 
We love others like Christ to the standard that he set for us. So the next verse is, this is love, colon. I love that. It is like if you've ever been looking for a definition in Scripture of what love is, this is it. Have you, have you ever seen people do this where they're like, hey, if, uh, if I had a dictionary and there was the word joy, grandma's face would be beside that in that dictionary. You know, or if, if I had a dictionary and there was a, a word anger, well, we'll just not fill that one in. But in this, in this case, in heaven, if there's a dictionary and there's love, you want to know what's beside it? It just goes love. And if there's a picture beside it, you want to know what it is? It's the cross. That's what it is. That's what John's going to point to here. He goes, this is love. You want to know what it is? Colin, let me define it for you. And he defines it with a picture. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he points to what was accomplished at the cross. He goes, that's love. Now, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to do what? Love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Okay, so let's just kind of talk this through. The model, verse 10, this is love. The model is self-sacrificing, laying down your life for another at the cross. That's the model, okay? Then he shifts from model to mandate, okay? Verse 11, he goes into, okay, so now, dear friends, since God loved us this way, we ought to love others in the same way. We ought to love others at that, same, at that same level. Now, Christmas time, we love loving people, right? Come on. Like, it's just, it feels good to love people. And, and we've done lots of things to, you know, display or communicate love to others, whether maybe you've participated in some of the things that we've done with Project Share, like Operation Christmas Child. You pack a box and it goes to a kid overseas. So a simple way of expressing and, and communicating God's love to someone else through a gift. Or food for families to help meet needs right here in our, in our community. Or maybe you helped pack uh, meals with, uh, you know, Children's World Impact. And we, we packed 100,000 meals this week that will go to feed hungry families, which is awesome. If you're a part of it, it's so fun. And, and that is a legitimate expression of loving others. It's just the easy expression, Right? That's like, it's pretty easy to love people when it's anonymous and I'm doing something, I'm genuinely giving up my time, my talent, my treasure to display love or, to, or give something to them. However, let's talk about the more difficult but more practical and necessary form of love that we need to express, not just at Christmas time, but at all times. And it's the loving people when they're not that easy to love. You know, it's loving that family member who is making life difficult for the whole family. Oh, now we got, a, we, we got a whole other standard of loving at Christmas now, right? It's loving that the boss who's making life difficult for everyone in the workplace. It, it's, it's loving uh, others who might be, it's loving, it's, it's injustice that you might be facing and loving that person. It's, it's the accusation from someone that's untrue and yet, loving in that situation. It's, it's the misunderstanding of the, of the wounded relationship and loving that person. Those are the situations where we need to actually display love, folks. Not just, it's Christmas and it's easy and I packed a box and I dropped a bucket in or, or uh, some money in a red bucket. It, it's, I love in the difficult situations. Now, why is it important that we do so? 
And here's why. Because it's that last part of the verse. Here's why. Because no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is complete in us. A.K.A. no one else has seen God face to face. However, if we love like him, we are giving them an accurate glimpse into God's love and the, the cross. This is why it's so important, folks. If we don't love in the type of way that God demonstrated his love toward us, we rob the world of seeing the love God has for them, which is this crazy, unconditional love that goes, that perseveres and through the worst situations and presses through things that it's a self-sacrificing love, it's a persevering love, it's a love uh, that's forever. It defies all logic. That's the love that we need to display. And Jesus lived it out. Jesus lived out what I would call uh, 1 Corinthians 13 love. It's this well-known passage of, uh, that kind of defines love. Jesus displayed this. Check this out, 1 Corinthians. Let's just kind of soak in this for a little bit. If you're wondering, what does this love look like that the world needs to see so they can understand what God's love looks like? It's this. Love is patient. Have you been patient with your coworker or your kids, with your spouse, with your family member? Like, a, like the patience that defies all logic. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always hopes. See, are there some people that you're like, I have no hope for them. I'm not talking about for you, because a lot of times people are like, I've got hope for me. I'm talking about, see, love always hopes for the other. See, are there some people that you've written off? They have no hope. You want to know what they need in their life? They need someone who looks at them and says, and says, I believe that there's a way that you can pull out of the mess you're in. Like, I see something that no one else sees. I see hope for you. That's what they need. Love always hopes. It always perseveres. That's what the love is, the, the world is dying to see, is that model of love. But we can only produce it when we've experienced it. One of the reasons that I think we've become dull in loving like God and, and loving like Him is because we've been, become dull in being with Him. This is why that first point of you've got to know Him and love Him and be with Him, it's like you've got to experience it from Him. We cannot love unless we've experienced it from Him first and foremost. Like, I've got a pastor friend who, um, he's incredibly encouraging. I love hanging out with him. Guess why? Because <laughs> you always walk away encouraged, right? He's just crazy encouraging. Every person he comes in contact with, he encourages. And here's what I've noticed is the more I hang out with him, the more encouraging I come, become. The more I start to encourage other people. It's like when you live in it, you start to pick it up. And when you live in God's love, guess what you start to pick up? His standard of loving. It's a whole lot easier to love the unlovely person because you've just received God's love who's loving the unlovely person. Right? You're like, I just got it. How can I not give it? Because I just received it from him. All right. Third aspect, okay? 
We've talked about loving God and loving others, but I think that this is important. I just feel like I have to hit it. We actually need to embrace a healthy love of self. So now this is a whole different book of the Bible. Mark is, uh, captures Jesus' words when he says this, love your neighbor and this, as who? As yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we've talked about loving God, loving others, and Jesus basically sets the standard. Hey, you do need to love others to the standard that you actually love yourself. The problem is in our culture, a love of self is, e- is either becoming really distorted or it's actually non-existent right now. There's a, there's a, all right, let me, do, let me qualify some things first. Because the verse, when Jesus says it, he actually has this assumption that you have a healthy love of your self. Now, when I say this, one might first immediately go, hold on, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it just said love is not self-seeking. This seems like it's self-seeking to some degree, but there's a a difference between self-seeking, self-serving, and love of self. Self Self-serving is how do I propel myself forward, usually at the expense of another, right? Where love of self isn't doing something at the expense of another, it's actually a healthy love or appreciation of who God has made me to be in Christ, That's what a healthy love of self is. One of the things that undercuts that ability to love others well or even love yourself well is actually envy, which 1 Corinthians also addresses. It says, uh, love does not envy. And here's one of the things that robs us of healthy appreciation of self or love of self is envy and jealousy. And here's where if I can, I, I hate to make, yeah, no, I don't have a problem making a dig here. This is, is where I think Social media is having a a larger, more substantial impact on culture as a whole is it's wreaking havoc on actually a healthy view of self. And here's why. Because people spend hours a day looking at the highlight reels of other people's lives, comparing their current situation to it, and they end up envying other people. Looking at them saying, I want to be them. I want to have what they have. I want to look like that. I want to experience what they're experiencing. I want their situation. And in turn, they become frustrated where they are today. And that frustration even can turn into uh, just frustration or or self-hatred. In fact, I don't know if you're aware, but it's in the news this week, Instagram facing a Senate committee right now in their safety use of their app. And they have solid data that shows that one in three women, after uh, being on social media, uh, have a poor body image as a result of the social media app and other apps like it. They also have solid data that shows that being on social media apps for an extended period of time leads to eating disorders, anxiety, and depression in the users. Yay! Okay, so then it's hard. So if that's the impact on long-term usage, it usually results, it's you're rehearsing envy unintentionally, which makes you frustrated with who you currently are. And it's hard to love others when you don't love your own, yourself and your own situation, or you're frustrated with yourself. So now let me clarify for a moment um, what I mean and I don't mean about loving yourself well, because I'm not I'm not a proponent of self-love movement, okay? Because there is kind of the self-love, let's just love ourselves movement. That's not what I'm saying. And I know you're like, sounds like that's what you're saying. Let me clarify, okay? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. We are God's workmanship. The Greek word there is poema. Anyone know what word we get from that? Poem. It's where we get our word poem. So we are God's poetry. Have you ever written a poem? Like you put time and effort and care into it and it's art and it's 
to express something. So guess what? You and I, we are his poem. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is writing this to Christians. So he's like, as a Christ follower, you're his poem in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do. It just means you and I, we are God's poem. We are a good creation. Let me just say it again. You're a good creation. Let me say it again. You are a good creation. And he loves how he created us to be. And if God loves me, it means I'm worthy of also loving me. Like, it's not a bad thing. But what, here's the question, what should I love about me? Like, does, just like unconditional love does not mean unconditional um, approval of behavior. Like, it, it totally makes, like, this, this totally will make sense. Just because I unconditionally love someone doesn't mean I approve of, of what they're doing or how they're behaving, right? Okay, so in the same way, loving myself doesn't mean unconditionally accepting my bad behaviors. It doesn't mean like, I just love myself with all of my anger issues and all of my addiction and like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is because that's not the poem God created me to be. That's my flesh that has messed up the poetry. I'm not embracing my messed up self. Uh, the thing I need to love is actually the new creation he's made me to be. So later in Ephesians chapter 4, so later, just a couple chapters later, Jesus, or God, Jesus, God, Paul actually is writing, and he says it this way. Put off your old self, a.k.a. don't love that thing. That thing's messed up, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Instead, to be made new in the attitude in your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You want to know what we need to love? The new self. The thing that God created, the poem he created that's buried somewhere in there beneath all of my flesh, all my earthly desires, all the things that, are, that, is, uh, that gets in the way of the Holy Spirit ruling in totality over me. I want to love that. I want to love his creation. His good, lovely thing that's in me. If I could say it this way, it would be this. It's to recognize somewhere in here, in me, when walking with Christ, when walking with God, is a creation that God made is, that is lovely. And I should love it. That's a good word. So to love Healthy love of self is not this embracing of everything that is messed up within you. It's this, it's this desire to say, God, I agree with you. If you say I am your workmanship, your poema, I agree that there is poetry in here. And I want to see it fully lived out in my life. And I love it. I appreciate it. And it is good and I see it as lovely as well. And when you are able to see that and agree with him, you're going to be able to love others well because it's hard to love others when you cannot love yourself. One blogger wrote about her journey to loving herself this way. It'll be here, but I'm going to read it. She said this, I found that in my own struggles with body image, insecurity, and feelings of inadequacy, the key hasn't been to think of myself as higher or just to love myself more. Instead, freedom has Come as I filled my mind with thoughts of God and his promises. Because it always starts with him, right? It always starts with I want to know him and I want to love him. It has to begin there. 
and his promises. It's only when we start to see God for who he really is that we're able to see ourselves for who we really are. We will delight in his creation, the poema, not because we are the ones worthy of our own affection, but because we know that he is good and a perfect creator, and he made a good creation in us. Just got to find it, and it's in there. So question, what's God calling you to in terms of growing in love today? Maybe it's just sitting in his love. Is it going to be really hard to love others or love yourself well until you've just sat in his love? Maybe it's Maybe the Lord is impressing someone on your life or in your life that if you're honest, you're like, man, I've been trying to love them, but I've been loving them kind of a shadow version of that. It's been pretty conditional and it hasn't been a good picture of what God has modeled for us. Or maybe it does start for you with just saying, okay, I, I've got to love myself, not, not my inadequacies and my failures and my faults, but in, in here is a beautiful poem that is entirely lovely, that is good. It's the new creation, and I love it. And from there, then I'm able to love others well. Uh, So why don't you you stand with me and uh, bow your heads with me, and we'll just pray. Spend a little bit of time here just with the Lord. Heavenly Father, thanks so much that love is not just a, a side thought, pinnacle display of love is is your son's life and ultimately his death on the cross. Lord, I pray that for all of us, we would press deeper into your love, that we would know your love, receive your love, be transformed by your love, and from that place, we'd be able to love others. Lord, if there's someone that right now you just need to impress on our hearts how we can love them, to your standard, to your model, because it's been really difficult to love that family member or that coworker or that neighbor. Lord, show us how we can love them and inspire us to love them like you, knowing that this is giving them a glimpse into you, actually, into your love. And Lord, I imagine that there's actually a lot of us that need to do some business around how we view ourselves. And we need to start renewing our mind in truth that there's a new creation created to be like you in all right godliness and righteousness. And it's lovely. Lord, thank you so much for your love. Help us to love like you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.